Hello, this is episode 278 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha O'Reilly. So this episode is on being translator. If you're wondering what was happening with the podcast last week, the people in Podomatic ended up working around the clock of the weekend to fix everybody's directories. There was a, a disconnect between the RSS feed and all of the hosting platforms. So I'm, I'm sure it was a rather hectic weekend for them which they managed to solve for everybody, which is fantastic. I've been working a bit on my website again, and it always entertains me. I tried to find a job title a few years ago, and I asked various people who knew me very well and who had worked with me for quite a while, and, you know, it really got into the groove, and most of the suggestions were very entertaining. I didn't really end up with anything I could put on a form as a job title. But it brought it back to me again that I am many different things to many different people. And that's not just because of the spectrum I work or the diversity of countries or the diversity of ages or the reasons why people come to me. It's kind of funny. I can see patterns often. There's often a theme in my work, regardless of what country I'm working in or what age group. And so a theme started sort of this summer and has continued to roll through to the autumn, which is on basically acting as translator. And this is a role I've done before. Sometimes I end up working really closely with the students I'm working with, or, you know, when I say students, it's kind of clients regardless of age. But sometimes I end up working really closely with the families or the environment that they're trying to present the best of themselves in. And I'm going through one of those themes at the moment where regardless of age, I spend a lot of time working with the people around people to translate what's in their mind and to translate their needs. And some of that has been quite dramatic, you know, I describe a lot of people's actions as sort of grand experiments for others to prove their love to them. And this was the reason why I I started writing in April 2018. The first book I wrote, The Journey to Unconditional Love, which is up on my Patreon, was a total game changer for many people. And I've watched people build relationships with people they never thought they would. And as I write a book at the moment, for women, the theme of unconditional love is starting to come up again. But it's different to the focus of that book. The focus of that book was sort of recovering from your childhood and doing a better job. If we really had unconditional love in the world, it would totally change the universe. But nobody understands what that is, and they always apply conditions. And you might manage it with your children, but you never manage it with your partners or with your parents or with the other people in your lives. And you seldom manage it with your children either. Because we don't realize how many terms of conditions we set for our love. It's fine to set boundaries and to set terms and conditions in terms of behaviors and values. But that's not the same as setting conditions for your love. And so most of my work involves translating to people why people are spinning and what they're trying to get to and what they really need. 
and how your communication and your actions and your language and your disconnect translates to them and how they still don't know that you love them. And most people copy the actions of what they grow up with. It's very seldom, there are very few personalities that rewrite the script themselves. And I'm still listening to the biography of Cecily Tyson. I think that's how you say her name. And there's a, there's a great part in that which I really identify with being from Ireland, where her mother wants so desperately for the third generation in their family to not have a child out of wedlock. But she gives her no information on growing and maturing into a young woman. So much so that she has no idea what's happening for herself, for her body. And when she does become pregnant, which isn't an enjoyable experience, in fact, she can't believe, she knows so little that she can't believe that she's ended up pregnant. And I don't want to spoil the book for you. I'd really like you to read it. I think it's one of the best biographies I've read in a long time. But her mother's lack of communication and lack of openness and her need to set these conditions actually ensures that what she doesn't want is definitely fulfilled. And so when Cecily has a daughter herself, she's the one who rewrites that script for their family, for the family generation. And that's exceptionally rare for people to do, believe it or not. She's the one who's able to see what she needed as a teen girl, what she needed to know, how she needed to be spoken to, how she needed to be cared for, how she needed to be protected. And, you know, it's not possible to be in a vacuum in the world. We have to engage with other people. But she was able to rewrite that for her family. And that's an exceedingly rare thing to do. And the other part of that story, which I will spoil for you, is that she managed to hide that pregnancy for the last year in school, right up to a month before she finished school and just before the baby was due. And I worked with students in this position. But the only difference is now that though they might be treated appallingly still in Irish schools, they're not actually prevented from being there. But she had a school principal sit on the other side of the desk and decide her destiny for her, which was that she was no longer allowed in the school, which meant that she only had another month to finish high school and she wasn't allowed to do that, which would have been very effortless for her to do, which meant that she then had to repeat a whole year, which meant doing night school with a young child and all of the challenges and the financial challenges associated with that. But because of her support structure, she managed to get through the year. And because of her sheer strength and her willpower, she managed to put in a whole extra year. But it's extraordinary to me that there are people who work in education and who still work in education, who can sit on the other side of that desk and care more about rules than people's future. And, and that's, I, 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 I always end up seething with many of the things that I work with. Because they might be slightly different, but there's always still some judgment or some rule or some way of persecuting people where you care more about that 
than you do about the development and the well-being and the life and the education of the person sitting opposite you. And so it's an extraordinary story. And that, in a way, is exactly the same. You're not unconditional with what you're providing for the young people in your environment. You're not unconditional in meeting everybody and developing them. And I find it extraordinary when I have conversations with people and they've managed to raise their children and be very unconditional in doing that and done a really, you know, done an excellent job. And they have very secure, very loved humans. And they've, and, and it's so funny because it's, it's been, it's been a sort of another theme in the outside of my world. It's a conversation I've had many times for the last few months. And they know they always have a space to go back to, no matter what happens in their life. They know that there's a support there. Yet, when they embark on their work or on their partnership or on another type of connection and engagement in the world, they always have a need from it. They always have a need to be validated. They always have some need that has to be met. There are so few people in the world who get out of bed every day and provide their talents and whatever it is they can do in the world and just pour that out to the world and don't need anything back from it. That at the end of the day, the sheer fact of having done it or having been connected to people is not enough. There's always something that you're seeking from it. And most of the time, that's wrapped up as success or monetary gain. But for most young people at the moment, it's also wrapped up in a sense of approval online and a sense of needing a following. Uh, and I often joke how brutal I am at social media because everyone can kind of almost smell it off me that I just don't care. And that I know that the people who want to connect with me and who want my help will just do so privately. They never do so publicly. So I recorded a podcast quite a, quite a few weeks ago now, which kind of started the start of this theme. And it's on unconditional and self-worth and on the difference. And I'd like to send you back to listen to that again, because it's still the same theme that we're involved in, how your self-worth and your validation doesn't need to depend on anyone else. But the really striking part is that if it doesn't and you manage to pour into the world whatever your talent is, and everyone has one, whatever you have to give, if you're fortunate enough to have people in your life, which everybody does, everyone has people in their lives who actually love them for who they are. It may not be a partner for everybody yet, but whoever those people are that love you, it's like having a top-up to your battery pack so that you can continue to pour out more. Like that's actually the purpose of having partnerships and connections. It's so that you can give more. And that's the conversation I've started to have on the sidelines of my work with a lot of people at the moment. Besides translating all of the dysfunction within families and what people are seeking, and how many terms and conditions that you're putting down inadvertently 
so that they don't really know how you feel about them. And unfortunately for some personalities, they need the approval of a masculine more than a feminine. And in society, we've constructed the masculine to not be as givish or as open or as emotional with that. And so people often don't know how they feel about them. And they end up carrying that with them for life. And they don't realise. And they need something from them. And they need that, that sense of love far more than they need from the feminine. So that's a great imbalance as well. So yes, at the moment, I'm working with a lot of people that I'm not really seeming to work with. I'm working with everyone in their peripheral environment so that they can fly. It's a slightly strange space to be in, but I've been here before and it rocks around every so often and I find it quite fascinating. 